welcome to the Faith Heights Church audio podcast. We pray that this message will bless you and feed your faith as you listen in today. So if you weren't with us last Sunday morning, we talked about giving 10% of that offering uh, totally to Feed the Hungry, which is a great organization out of South Bend, Indiana. Feeds children all over the world through trauma situations, war situations, death of parents situations. And also Project 127, which is a local uh, charity organization that is a biblically-based foster care program. And so we were able to, actually we were able to, um, Feed the Hungry called me yesterday and they said with just the offerings, see we send them offerings throughout the year, this is not the whole year total, but just from the offering last week, they were able to, we were able to provide 5,000 meals for kids in war-torn nations and crisis uh, recovery places and trauma situations, so that's awesome. And um, um, thousands more if you tell up what we've done for the whole year. And then Project 127, <clears throat> we were able to, just with the 10% off of last um, last Sunday's offering, we were able to give them $1,000 too, locally. So that was really a blessing, and they're super blessed. So praise the Lord. And we might be doing some more this week too. We're, we're praying about some more. I think, I think, I wanna, I think we want to release some more. So we're believing for that. All right, let's get in the Word. Um, let's do this. First of all, turn in your Bible to 2 Chronicles 7. And we're going to continue where we started, uh, left off last week. There's a phrase that I keep speaking out, and I want to get as many people saying this as possible because Jesus said, if you believe a thing in your heart and you say it with your mouth, you'll have whatever you say. And I think one of the things we should be saying right now as a church, not only in church, but out there, outside these four walls, is we need to say these words. Healing is rising. It's rising. Why? Well, one reason, because Jesus said we'll have whatever we say. I mean, I think it's a good idea to say things that we need to, that needs to happen right. and put Jesus, you know, just say, Lord, you said. <clears throat> now, of course, it doesn't mean just parrot it like a parrot. You want to believe it in your heart because we've been praying and we're not praying in vain. Healing is rising. So we want to keep saying that. We want to say that over and over again, especially after we pray for healing in our valley to rise. So in Second Chronicles, chapter seven and verse 14, we're going to read this scripture. We can't wear it out. It's, it's eternal. God said, if my people ever get off and they get into sin, they get into things they shouldn't be involved in and bad things start happening, he said, there's a way out. And so verse 14, he said, if you get into all these problems, and he talks about epidemics and all kinds of stuff, pestilence, he said, but if my people, in the midst of these epidemics, in the midst of these problems, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. So we decided last week to take this scripture before the Lord and say, Lord, you said. All right, I, don't, I'm, I don't know if all Christians are doing this, but we are. We've decided to humble ourselves and pray, to seek his face, to turn from our wicked ways. And he said he'd hear from heaven, forgive our sin, and heal our land. So guess what I'm saying? Healing is rising because God said so. 
Healing of the land means healing of the people, healing of the economy, healing of the dirt, or whatever needs healing, right? And so one of the things I wanted you to notice here, he talked about his people turning from their wicked ways. Because a lot of times, wicked ways opens the door to problems that we don't want in our life. But just as much as we've opened the door, we can shut the door. And I want you to notice the word ways because he's not talking about people falling and getting back up. He's talking about people living a certain way on purpose, knowing that it's not according to God's will for their life. Well, that needs to stop if people want healing in their, their land or in their life. I don't think we need to get everybody doing this, but there needs to be a group of us doing this and believing this for healing to rise in our land. And I don't, you know, I think a crowd like this is powerful. I mean, we're seeing healing already rise. I looked at the statistics yesterday about COVID and the state of Colorado and COVID in Mesa County, and it's going down. It's going now spiked after Thanksgiving, but it's already going down. And uh, I was in the hospital the other day visiting some people and I walked by a room and there was nobody in it. Empty bed. Really cool. And I know three people recently who've been discharged from the hospital. Praise God. And they're doing better. So I, I just I'm just going to believe that our prayers are powerfully working. I mean, when we pray for the healing of our land, when we pray for people, uh, I'm, I'm seeing chains break and I'm seeing people getting delivered and set free because the Lord told us to pray one for another that you may be healed. Well, he wouldn't tell us to pray for something that didn't work. He's not going to say pray for one another that you may be healed and then it not work. That's that's ridiculous. Of course it works. So again, he said, if my people do something, I'll heal your land. All right. So turn to Ephesians six and we'll get specific again about some things we're going to pray tonight. And I'm really thankful that you, you guys have come tonight. You know, we've we've had Wednesday nights. Um, the last couple years, Wednesday night hasn't really been prayer meeting. It's been teaching, praise and worship, just kind of like a midweek service, which is which is fine and great. But we really felt prompted the Lord that we slipped a little in our prayer. And so we're going back to doing some praying on Wednesday nights. And I'm really thankful you're all here because we've noticed in the past that when you start talking about praying on Wednesday nights, crowds got smaller. And I don't know why. Because if we realized what our addition to this prayer meeting does for the healing of people in St. Mary's or community or in homes or people, if people realized how powerful it was when another person joins a prayer meeting like this, I think for the rest of our life till Jesus come Wednesday would be church. Now, it's been that way for us for 30 years, partly because we're pastors, but also I, I, I couldn't imagine doing anything else on a Wednesday night unless I was out of town or on vacation or something. Uh, this is just part of our life. Pray. So you got to watch out about receiving so much good word and never giving out. Because there is such a thing as being spiritually fat, where you just receive, 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 and you get spiritually lazy. And but this is a great avenue to use what you've been receiving, to pray and to believe God. And so I'm really thankful you're all here tonight. I, I'm praying and believing that the crowds don't get smaller because we're reserving 20, 25 minutes for prayer at the end of this service. I'm praying that people realize, wait a second, I'm not going to stop going because, of, you know, praying. This is what I was born again to do, to break chains, to pray for healing, to be a blessing. So in Ephesians chapter six, let's look at verse 18, Ephesians six eighteen. Paul just talked about putting on the whole armor of God. He talked about getting ready for the. 
you know, to stand against the devil and his wiles. And he says, once you have the armor on, you know, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit. He said, now you're ready to pray. Verse 18, praying always. Uh, one translation says praying on every occasion with all prayer, all kinds of prayer and supplication. That's another form of prayer. He says praying always in the spirit. So a lot of this praying is talking about praying in other tongues beyond what your mind knows about getting down to the roots of problems, underlying issues. And then he said, pray watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication. Now notice who he says to pray for. He could have said a thousand and one things here. Pray for the government. Pray for the sinners. Pray for this. Pray for that. He said, when you're, when you're doing this kind of praying, make it a focal, a focus of praying for your Christian brothers and sisters. I mean, think about it. You get all the armor on. You're all dressed up. You're ready to fight. And he says, pray for all saints now. Now, it's very interesting. He said, pray for all saints. Talking about Christians. He's talking about, that's born again Christians. Why would he say this is the number one thing we should be focused on according to these verses in Ephesians 6? Well, if you think about it, who's called to reach the lost? Who's called to preach the gospel? Not angels. They're supposed to help us to do that. Who's called to witness? Who's called to be a blessing? Who's called to give? Who's called to... We are. Well, the better shape the church is in, the better shape believers are in, the better shape the world's going to be in. Because a strong church means strong outreach. A healthy church means more healing in the land. And so I got to doing a study on this. We did a study on this years ago about who to pray for, what to pray for, as opposed to just anything that comes to our mind. And this scripture tells us specifically, pray for all saints. We are the only connection to God, to the people in this world. And this is another reason the devil fights the church with disunity and strife and, and uh, offense. is because the devil knows if this bunch ever gets it together and they ever work through their differences and they get in unity, the power of God will be commanded down and everybody around us will be blessed simply because the church is doing what it's supposed to be doing. Say praying for all saints. So we want to do that some more tonight because the more, the stronger the church is in this valley, the better off this valley is going to be. I mean, can you imagine every Christian in this valley praying in tongues? Can you imagine every Christian in this valley speaking the word of God over this valley? Healing is rising. Can you imagine every Christian in this town using their authority against disease and COVID and saying that's enough? You know, the authority we have in the name of Jesus to, to bind, cast out demons, heal the sick, raise the dead. Could you imagine if every Christian in this town was on fire for God? Well, the devil would be looking to move immediately. <laughs> There's one place you don't want to go, and that's Grand Junction. That's the Grand Valley. You don't want to be there, demons. You want to get out of there. I mean... The devil's not the occupying force. We are the occupying force. And what if the church, what if the church got together? What if the church stopped fighting one another? What if the church was healthy? What if the church was prosperous? Well, if they don't want to put us on their TV station, we buy our own satellite. <laughs> right? Why? Because you can do so much more together. I mean, 
The devil knows the power of unity. That's why he's so big on getting people offended at each other in the church. Offense has been a 2,000-year-old problem, and it's still around, and we need to rise above it. The Bible talks about God commanding blessings where there's unity of God's people. He commands blessings where there's unity. He turns up the anointing where there's unity. Well, no wonder the devil fights unity. He doesn't want the church to be more anointed. He doesn't want the church to be stronger. He wants the church to be divided. So what do we need? We need to pray. Now, Kelly researched. um, She's our secretary helper receptionist in the office. She researched. I said, find out how many Christian churches there are in the valley. And we came up with a number, about 136 were listed under Christian churches. 136 churches. So that means there's 136 pastors. 136 pastors' wives, probably. Um, Maybe give or take a few. Um, 136 leadership teams in churches. And one of the best ways to pray for all saints is to pray for all pastors all church leaders because of the influence they have on all people. I mean, let's face it. If the pastors and the preachers are in good shape, the congregations are probably going to be in good shape. If the pastors and preachers are anointed, well, the congregation is going to be fed. So in praying for pastors and praying for leaders in churches, we're actually praying for all believers in a kind of an indirect but direct way. I know it's the same thing with our president in the, in the government area and our vice president and those in legislative, executive, and judicial positions. Um, when those people are prayed for, we're going to be doing better. Right. Don't think they're going to be doing better on their own. Right. You know, if they could do all right on their own, why would the Lord say pray for them? That's right. Leaders need us praying for them if we want them to do a good job. Criticizing is so immature. So immature. Criticizing government is so immature. It's one of the worst things you can do for you and your kids is to criticize the leaders that are there that can make good decisions or bad decisions. Did you know that the Lord will cause a leader to make a decision for the benefit of his church and that leader didn't even know what they were doing? They may have on the surface known what they're doing, but... God will turn kings' hearts, whithersoever he will, for his people's sake. So really, it's more important that we're praying for our leaders than who's in office. Because if there's a wicked person or an evil person ever gets elected into office, that doesn't mean their wickedness is going to get on us if we're praying for them. Now, if we're just criticizing them, get ready for a rough four years. (laughs) Because if they could do good without us praying... Why would the Lord say pray? You have to watch out about criticizing leadership. You have to watch out. The Bible says, thou shalt not speak evil of the rulers of your people. You don't have to agree with everything, but you you don't want to speak evil of them when you could be praying for them. Man, especially if their maybe tendency is to go over into the dark side. Man, even more so we need to pray for them. It's really interesting how Christians pray really, they pray really strong and Pray really fervently for the person they elected. But then when somebody gets in that they didn't elect, that they think is bad for the country, they stop praying. What's that called? That's called backwards. They need more prayer if they're not the best for the position. And I don't know, people need to, 
I know this. The church needs to stop criticizing and start praying for its leaders if you want to see more good things happening in your land. Criticizing is actually mean to yourself, to your neighbor, to your children, to your grandchildren, because it's not going to do one bit of good to criticize a leader. Actually, it'll open the door for more evil to criticize. Thank you very much. <laughs> Everybody say praying for all saints. So the same thing goes in local churches. The, more, the better shape the leaders, church leaders are in, the better shape the congregations are going to be in. You know, the devil wants you offended at your leaders. And I know we've learned this years ago that you can't receive from a ministry that you're offended at. So I just can't receive from them anymore. Well, it's because they're not anointed or it's because you're offended. That's a good question, isn't it? And here's one way you can tell. Is the person next to you getting blessed? Well, they say they are. Well, then it must not be the anointing. Must be your receiving ability has weakened or gotten dull. So turn to Romans 8. Romans chapter 8. And this basically says the same thing we just read in Ephesians. Romans chapter 8. It talks about the Holy Spirit helping us to pray. Let's read here in verse 26. Likewise, the Holy Spirit also helps our infirmities. That's translated weaknesses in the original. Likewise, the Holy Spirit also helps our weaknesses. What's, what's one of our weaknesses? Read on. Here's a weakness. For we don't know what we should pray for as we ought. Didn't say we don't know what to pray for. It says there's times we don't know the details. We don't know the underlying issues that need to be dealt with. And if all we're doing is chopping off weeds at the surface and never getting to the root, well, those weeds can grow back. But the Spirit helps us get to the root of the problem. And this is what he's saying here. And this includes praying in other tongues here because it's beyond your mental praying. It says, the Holy Spirit helps our infirmities for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. I mean, no, there's times your mind's not going to know everything you should pray for as you ought. Does that mean you can't pray? No, it just means you need to pray with your spirit, with the help of the Holy Spirit, about things your mind doesn't know about and get specific and get some things taken care of at the root. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, he's not the one that does the groanings. He, he prays through us and we get into that area of groaning. And one, one of the original meanings of groanings which cannot be uttered is inarticulate speech. The Spirit of God helps us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Inarticulate speech. Well, that includes other tongues. And that's how, one of the ways the Holy Spirit helps us to pray. You know, there's only so much your brain can comprehend. There's only so much your brain can know. But the Holy Spirit knows everything. Past, present, and future. He knows everything that's going on in the earth realm. And He will help us to pray according to what He knows. Instead of us just praying according to what we know. Because there's a lot of things that lead up to problems that if all we're praying about is a visible problem, we never got what led up to it, and it'll happen again. So I know a lot of times in the area of healing, a lot of people think, well, I need healing, I need healing, I need healing. Well, maybe you need something that will unblock healing that's already been trying to come to you. 
Or maybe you need something that won't cause a sickness to come back as soon as you get healed. Maybe there's something behind the scenes that needs dealt with. And that's a lot of times where praying in tongues comes in. So notice this, though. Verse 27, he that searches the hearts. This is talking about the Holy Spirit. And he knows what is the mind of the Spirit because he makes intercession for what? For who? Who's the Holy Spirit so interested in praying for? Who's the Holy Spirit so determined to pray for? Again, for the saints. Why? Because we are Jesus in the earth and we need all the help we can get to grow up into the full measure of Jesus and get this job done, preach the gospel to all the world. I mean, we, we had a billboard when we first started this church 34 years ago on Ute Avenue. No, actually, yeah, it was Ute Avenue going west on the one way down there. We decided to rent a big billboard at where Bud Signs used to be and we put a big billboard up, Jesus, the world's only hope. And I started thinking about that, and 100% true. Jesus is the world's only hope. But Jesus, geographically, is not here. He's at the right hand of the Father. The Holy Spirit's here in His church. And what are we? The body of Christ. So when we say Jesus is the world's only hope, what do we mean? Well, we are the body of Christ. Could we say the church with the Holy Ghost on the inside of them is the world's only hope? No wonder the devil wants the church messed up, disconnected, offended at one another, writing books about one another, talking bad about one another. No wonder the devil wants the church sick and broke. I mean, here he's saying, pray for the church. Well, one reason, because there's opposition against the church, staying together, being strong, being healthy, being prosperous. And so one of the reasons, two verses right here, he said, pray for the church, pray for the saints. Why? Because a strong church means a strong outreach to the communities. A strong, healthy church means strong, healthy outreach to the people all around us. A strong church means more evangelism. A strong church means more healing. A strong church means more preaching. A strong church means more people in heaven. So really, if you think about it, one of the best ways to pray for lost people is to pray for the church. Because lost people aren't just walking down the street and, pop, I'm saved. No, they hear a preacher. They get faith, they call on the name of the Lord, and they're saved. That's the way the Lord designed the system. That's how you get saved. You hear a preacher, you believe the gospel, you confess Jesus as Lord, and you're saved. So, stronger the church is, the better this world's going to be. Amen. Uh, interesting, too, that a lot of the, a lot of the world, if, if they really knew what was really going on, they'd want Christians with them everywhere they go. Yeah. <laughs> How many think, it, how many think the 200-some the soldiers on that boat that day were glad Paul was on board? Because because of Paul, none of them died after that storm. How many think, how many think airlines would, would give Christians free tickets just to be on a plane? Right? Engine failure. Well, this plane ain't going down. His faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Angels are going to hold us up. Everything's going to be all right. They'll be thanking God there was a believer on board if he had engine failure, Right? Oh, boy. All right, let's look at another scripture. John 17. John chapter 17. Jesus is praying, actually, in this chapter to the Father just before he went to the cross. Said some very powerful things about you and me, actually. I want you to look at John chapter 17. Jesus is in the middle of a powerful prayer to the Father. Let's look at verse 6. He's praying to the Father. Jesus said, Father... 
I have manifested your name unto the men which you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. He's talking about his disciples, his, his followers. Jesus said, Now, Father, now they have known that all things whatsoever you have given me are of you. For I have given unto them the words which you gave me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from, from you, came from you, Father, and they have believed that you did send me. Verse 9, I pray for them, these that you've given me, my disciples, my followers. And notice, I pray not for the world. It didn't mean he didn't care for the world. He loves the world. He so loved the world, he gave his life. What's he saying? He's saying one of the best things we can do for this world is take care of God's people. Make sure they're strong, anointed, and powerful. So Jesus said, I'm praying for those you gave me. I'm not praying for the world right now, but for them which you have given me, for they are yours, and all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Now look at verse 20. This is something he prayed. So Jesus said, Neither, Father, do I pray for these that are with me here alone, but I also pray for them which shall believe on me through their word. That's us. We're believing on Jesus through their word. They preach the word down through the ages. We've got the writings. We've got the scriptures. And now we're believing. So Jesus right here is praying for you. Isn't that interesting? He said, I don't just pray for, you know, Peter and James and John and Bartholomew. He says, I, I'm not just praying for these alone, but I'm praying for them also, which shall believe on me through these men's words. This is what he prayed. Look at verse 21. Father, I'm praying that they all may be one. He's praying for unity. Father, I pray that all Christians would be one as you, Father, are in me and I'm in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. Now think about this. One of the greatest witnesses to the world that Jesus is real, that God is real, is that we get along with one another supernaturally. We are a family that cannot be broken. One of the things that blows our witness more than anything is discord in the church. Fighting among Christians blows our witness. Who wants to be a part of that? Hmm? I mean, we need to be so loving toward one another, taking care of one another so much to where the world is saying, is there any empty room in your church, in your church family? Because I'm looking for something like you have with one another. Think about that. He said, Father, I pray that all my believers, all my followers will be one, that the world may believe that you have sent me. What a great witnessing tool. Just get along with one another. Forgive one another. Make allowances for one another. Quit fighting one another. You say, well, I just don't agree with them. Well, you don't have to voice it. You can still smile, right? I mean, I don't think God expects us all to agree on everything, but he does expect us to love one another and control our emotions and watch this thing right under our nose. Quit saying stuff about one another. Yeah, but they messed up. Have you ever messed up? Isn't it interesting sometimes how people talk about other people's mess ups? but they don't want anybody to talk about their mess-ups. 
And they say, well, I've never done anything as bad as them. The Bible says if you offend in one point, you're guilty of the entire law, breaking the entire law. And um, yeah, we, I think the body of Christ, we need to pray for unity. We need to agree with you. Say, Lord, we're coming into agreement with you on this prayer tonight. We're praying that the church becomes one in this valley. One in heart, one in purpose. Maybe not all meeting in the same building, but one in the area of, you know what, we're all brothers and sisters, we're going to be living together forever, so how about we just chill out and be nice? <laughs> right? Just turn to your neighbor and say, be nice. <laughs> oh, thank you, Lord. Yeah, so he said, pray for unity. Um, Psalm 133 tells us how much God approves of unity. All right, you want to just see that real quick? Psalm 133? Just go ahead and turn to Psalm 133. <laughs> turn to Psalm 133. Hey, don't laugh at me. I'm kidding. I'm laughing at me. Psalm 133, this is God's attitude toward unity. No wonder Jesus prayed this. He said, check it out. That's what behold means. Check this out. How good and how pleasant it is for brethren, and we're talking about brothers and sisters in the Lord, to live together in unity. What's that like? It's like the precious anointing oil upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard. It went down to the skirts of the garment. He's saying unity like attracts the anointing. You know, the thing that breaks chains of cancer and COVID and disease and paranoia and depression. When the anointing's strong enough, people get set free from things doctor says they can't get set free from. And what, what attracts that kind of anointing? Behold, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Why should we want to dwell together in unity? For one reason, so people can get healed in a higher level. People can get delivered, set free, not die young. What attracts the anointing? Unity. He said, verse 3, unity is as the dew of Hermon. And as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing. <laughs> it's one thing to pray for a blessing. It's another thing for the Lord just to command it yeah. before we even pray. Yeah. And this is one of the reasons I believe the Lord prayed this prayer for all believers to be one, even as he and the Father are one, because he knew that's where the anointing can be the strongest. It's called the corporate anointing, stronger than any individual anointing. I've heard meetings of Brother Hagen had where he talks about the corporate anointing would manifest in his church meetings, a meeting like tonight or on Sunday morning. He said there were times the anointing was so strong that nobody had to pray for anybody, but every sick person got healed in the atmosphere. Nobody had to pray for the lost people. They just came to the altar. Actually, one meeting he was in, he said a bright light flashed like somebody took a big giant flash bulb picture or something. It was like the glory of God. And, and that was like a split second People who are back there were translated to the altar, crying out to God and getting saved and getting filled with the Holy Spirit. Nobody felt them go by them. They were like translated. This boom, boom. Stretcher cases were in the audience that got healed. People came from hospitals on, uh, with yeah. no hope to survive. They're healed. They're up. They're standing. They're praising God. Nobody prayed for anybody. Nobody laid hands on anybody. But the corporate anointing was so strong that everybody just got healed that was sick. Everybody that was lost got saved. Everybody not filled with the Spirit got filled with the Spirit. And nobody even ministered to them. The Lord did it, the whole thing. But they were in unity. They were in unity in worship. They were in unity in, in loving the things of God. And the Lord was able to manifest like that. I want that to happen in our church. All right, turn to Galatians 6. 
Galatians 6. We're going to reserve about 20 minutes. Uh, we'll be done about 8.15. We're not going to try to go any longer than 8.15, so we'll try to reserve at least 20 minutes for prayer. But let's look here in Galatians 6. I wanted us to really see this attitude of the Lord about praying for one another. It's not selfish to pray for one another. It's a very powerful thing, even for the world's sake. So Galatians 6, uh, let's see here. We'll look at verse 10. Galatians 6, 10. Paul says, As we have therefore opportunity, church, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Now, I know when you read things like this, well, doesn't the Lord care for the world? Doesn't the Lord care for the non-Christian? On the contrary, this is one of the best things you can do for the non-Christian is make sure that the believers in that area are well taken care of because who's going to give them the gospel? The, the sinners aren't going to give sinners the gospel. Angels aren't commissioned to preach the gospel. It's the church that brings healing and deliverance and the saving word to the people. And the better shape we're in, the better our ministry to these lost people is going to be. Amen. So when we pray in these Wednesday night meetings, I, I want to slow down a little bit and just tell you a couple things about how to be a part of a successful, united prayer meeting. There's different kinds of prayer. A lot of prayers you pray on your own. Um, but this is a, a united prayer meeting. This is a corporate prayer meeting. And there's certain things, little rules that if we'll kind of have these guidelines, it'll, we'll reach the full potential of the meeting. Um, a lot of times in, in meetings like this, I pray in tongues a lot because there's only so much you know about. You know, oh Lord, we pray for this. We pray for the president. We pray for this. We pray for healing to rise. And, but you still got, you know, 19 minutes left. What are you going to do? Well, it's a good thing. You know, speak the word over the valley. Speak the word over the people you're praying for. But praying in tongues is absolutely heavyweight advantage. It's like the devil wished we never learned about that. And that's why he's trying to get people freaked out about it because he doesn't want the whole church praying in tongues because he doesn't want the whole church praying beyond their mental abilities, just kind of stay on the surface of all this stuff. But we do a lot of praying in tongues in this prayer meeting. And, and there are a couple things that I want to make clear about a prayer meeting like this. When the leader is praying in English or, or in a language you can understand, that doesn't mean you stop praying. If you're praying in tongues, you know, you know if you're praying in tongues, because you can pray in tongues and drive down the road and be totally alert because your mind is unfruitful when you're praying in tongues and your mind can be doing this while you're praying in the spirit. But in order for us to get to the full potential of our prayer meetings, when the leader of the meeting is praying with the understanding, keep praying in tongues with all fervency, just not so loud that you can't hear what they're praying. Because when the leader's praying with the English, you want to add your faith in agreement to what he or she is saying. Right? If two of you on earth agree as touching anything that they shall ask, it'll be done for you of my Father which is in heaven, Jesus said. So when, when the leader is praying in the English, it's a good idea to hear what he or she is saying so you can say, I agree, amen. And then when the leader goes back into praising God or praying in tongues, raise your voice. It should sound like many waters in this place when we're praying in tongues. The Bible says the effectual, fervent, white-hot prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. And sometimes that, it's not all volume, but you don't want to suppress it either. 
There's times you just need to let it flow. Just just raise your voice. It's okay. God's not nervous. (laughs) Amen. So I want to say that. And once in a while, I'll ask people to pray if they want to. But usually we'll just have a microphone here. And if you want to pray something, there'll be a time in the service where we say, if somebody's got something on their heart, just come on forward and pray. Um, So don't feel like I'm going to call you out. Okay. please don't please don't not come back because you might think I might call on you to pray. I'll, I'll be cool about that. You don't, we won't make anybody have to pray that doesn't want to pray up front. But this is how we reach the full potential of our prayer meeting. So when you hear the, the, the leader praying with the understanding, keep praying with fervency. But hear what they're saying so you can add your agreement to it and so we can see these, this prayer of agreement come to pass. But if this leader up here is praying in tongues and worshiping God, just raise your voice as loud as you want. I'm not talking about just making it happen in the flesh, but don't feel like you just have to just, well, I don't want to be loud. Somebody might think I'm weird. They already think you're weird if you go to this church. So (laughs) you're already weird. (laughs) But to God, you're not weird. You're totally normal. But to the world, you may look foolish and weird. So we'll begin to pray here. And so what we're going to do tonight is we're going to pray again for all the Christians in our valley. And we're going to pray for the pastors of these 136, approximately 136 churches. We're going to pray for their strength, their health. We've got a couple prayers here, um, actually more than a couple. I have a, a list here of prayers that are actually in the New Testament that Paul prayed for Christians, that other people prayed for Christians. And so we'll be praying some of those too, and you'll, you'll need to hear those. So when I'm praying with the English, just keep praying with all fervency. Just quiet the volume down a little bit so you can hear these prayers. Um, yeah, so there's about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I've got ten New Testament prayers here, which are really, really good to pray over. And a lot of these I pray over the congregation, and Carl and I at times will pray over the congregation. And you really ought to find these prayers. Actually, we'll maybe make this list. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information about this ministry, visit faithheights.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. To sow into this ministry, visit faithheights.org and click on the Donate tab. 